Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of trees. And I'm joined today by Eric. Oh, that's right. How's it going? Pretty good. We good. <laughs> we just recorded. You were the second guest on the bonus episode I'm working on, all about the Harry Potter books uh-huh. and films. Yep. That's gonna be up on my Patreon, everyone. If you're if you want to hear that, go sign up over there. Yeah, make sure to go hear me vaguely recall. <laughs> reading harry potter when i was in high school yeah and i i said on the bonus episode but like i recently listened to them and i'm mm. still like uh <laughs> i like the one where the guy did the thing yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's gonna drive like the hardcore oh, fans yeah. I, insane oh, yeah. every time we get a name wrong or mm-hmm. can't remember something yep. yeah sorry mm-hmm. If yep. only I cared more. <laughs> uh, no, I I really enjoyed the books and the movies. Hence why I'm recording the bonus episodes. I want to talk about them more. Yeah. So, Eric. Yes. While we are in the pop culture section. Yeah. I obviously wanted to get to your Rex. Oh, boy. But I have to go on at length. And I hope you'll humor me because as far as I know, you have not watched it. The Haunting of Hill House. I've not seen it. Ooh, I, everybody no is talking about it. No spoilers. Don't worry. I'm going to be uh, ranting in a very vague way, which I think is the most satisfying for everyone. Yeah. It's one of the few things where I, I don't normally succumb to Twitter pressure, mm-hmm. but so many people have been talking about it. I'm kind of like, should I watch it? So I should say at the top, before I get into anything, that I have not read the book. Oh, I didn't know it was a book. Oh, you just made so many people <laughs> furious. Uh-huh. Shirley Jackson wrote the original novel, and it's oh. considered to be the the greatest ghost story ever written by a lot of people. Like a lot of uh, horror writers, a lot of horror directors consider it to be one of the best ghost stories ever written. Wow. And it was written by a woman, which is really awesome. And because mm-hmm. it was written by a woman, and I truly believe this about all horror, whether it's writing or directing, it's way more nuanced and it, it strikes close to home in a very, uh, very pardon the use of the word haunting way because it has to do with like familial ties and sure. memory and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a bunch of jump scares, you know, right. it, it sticks with you. But yeah, sure. I episode six, I believe, um, is one of the best things I've ever seen. Great. It is, I won't say like the plot or anything, but there are, it's three uninterrupted takes the entire episode. Wow. So it's a lot, it, it feels like a play. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say the whole series feels like a play because they, there are chunks of dialogue that are just lifted from the book. Oh, okay. Which gives it a, a play-like feel. And I know some people criticized it for that reason because, you know, there are lines like, I brew love potions for sad maidens. You know, stuff that people would never say in real life. Right. I loved that. Because yeah. to me, that felt like very um, ethereal. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't want to watch, like, people who I would talk to day to day in this sort of setting. Yeah, you know, I want the characters to be weird and different. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I loved it. So, have you guys seen it? I want to know your thoughts. Hashtag light trees and pod. Well, I'm definitely, I, this is so strange. I'm definitely going to watch it now that I realize that it was written by Shirley Jackson. Because mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of Shirley Jackson. I really loved the lottery and we have always lived in the castle. That's so funny because those are her two lesser known works. Uh-huh. You didn't read her like no mm, her most nope. famous <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> ghost story. No, I really want to go back and read it now because what 
what I've been told, and I, I don't think this is a spoiler in any sense, but I've heard the book is much sadder. That makes sense. So, that. but that's like my jam. So mm-hmm. I really want to read it. And also the fact that, again, it was written by a woman, which is very cool mm-hmm. because I've read two articles in the past week from male directors who talk about how there aren't a lot of women who direct horror and write horror. Mm-hmm. That is true, but there's also a reason <laughs> right. for that because they don't get a lot of attention when right. they... Shirley yeah, Jackson yeah. is the exception to the rule, obviously, course, because she's so celebrated. But even so, I think if you walked up to anybody on the street and you said, do you know who Shirley Jackson is? Most people would say no. Right. If I walk up to people and I say, do you know who Stephen King is? Right. They're going to say yes. I also think there's a difference in like... I, I think like people... Because one, it's funny you say that. Because one of the criticisms I saw of the show on Twitter, without even knowing anything about it, was just like a lot of people were like, "I don't get it. It's not scary." And disagree. Yeah, I've seen people say, and I think that's a very like cultural thing of like what people. Because I we can the, I can talk about this more at length in my Rex, but I just recently watched the movie Hereditary. Oh yeah, and. A lot of uh, people on my Facebook, when I said that I just finally watched it, were very divided. And a lot of people were like, it's not scary. And I'm like... I think, I, think- I think you will always find someone who takes pride in saying, I don't think it was scary. Yes. Whether it's true or not. And I also just think that, like you were saying, that like uh, when women write horror, there's it's a lot more nuanced and it mm. deals a lot more... Th- I think there's like... I think that's true. And I think there's a lot of like quote-unquote horror fanatics that are really not into that like they they don't they don't like it and they don't have like they don't they give it less credence than i like, think those people like gory horror yes and that yeah. to me i'm it's the the inverse for me i don't think that shit's scary exactly i I'm think it's a gross way. out thing yeah. i think it's really easy to throw a lot of blood at a camera and have something scream suddenly and make people jump yeah i don't think you making me jump is the same fear as when i watch something like the babadook or hereditary mm-hmm. or the haunting of hill house and it's no coincidence that women wrote or directed all of those mm-hmm. that that lingering doom that yeah. stays with you yeah, yeah, yeah. is a very, it's a much harder thing to achieve. And therefore I think it's a bigger accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, however, having said that there are terrifying moments of the haunting of Hill house. Right. I outright reject that. It's not scary. And I actually think there's some scares that like a traditional horror fan would also say like, okay, that was, right. that was my shit, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, it's not like the whole thing's psychological about the relationship with your mother. Uh-huh. Like, just there's ghosts <laughs> everywhere in right, that right, house, right. and they they are super scary. Um, also, my new husband is in it. The guy who plays Luke Oliver Jackson Cohen. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Apparently, was also in, and I started watching it because he's in it. Uh, I saw people like, oh, it's Hot Scarecrow. And I was like, what are they talking about? Do you remember when they remade The Wizard of Oz? It's called The Emerald City. Oh, yeah, vaguely, yeah. One season of it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know who uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is Oz? Yeah. Of course. Vincent D'Onofrio, in my mind, right up there with Alan Rickman. Oh, yeah. Gifts to humanity. And when I saw him in the credits, I was like, oh, this is actually going to be good. Okay. <laughs> And then Oliver Jackson Cohen is hot scarecrow. Uh-huh. That it's like uh, everybody's hot. Dorothy's hot. Great. You know, 
the the Wicked Witch of the East is like the most they fabulous. They should have called it Hot Wizard of Oz. It probably would have gotten a more seasons. They would have gotten a season two. <laughs> Although I saw people complaining that they only got a season one, and I'm only on episode two, so I don't know how it ends. But I'm like, if she gets back to Kansas, that's the fucking story. <laughs> but maybe she doesn't even get out of Oz. Right, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, so I'm I've now gone down an Oliver Jackson Cohen hole because mm. he was so good in. Uh, the Haunting of Hill House right. is Luke. Uh, so, but literally everyone in it is so good. Like, Great. it's perfectly cast. It's heartbreaking. That's another thing. I think it actually, ooh, this is going to be controversial to ooh. say. I think I like it more than Hereditary. Wow. Because you care about the characters so much. Uh-huh. I cried as much as I was scared watching right. it. Right, right. Uh, because it truly is like a scary this is us i think that's true i i think like that that makes sense it also is like that's a great format to do a horror story because you have more time mm. you have two hours with hereditary versus however 20 long 20 hours yeah. yeah like you have so much more time to invest well, that's in a character. Why i thought it was so interesting i don't want to say this is the first time those genres were blended because i'm sure that's not true but it's fascinating that that's not done more because I cared so much more about the characters in the scary moments because they had taken the time to develop the characters. Right. So when someone's like about to die, mm-hmm. you care so much more. I think it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier where like I think a lot of people and I can't speak for like directors or writers or people who work like in this genre, but I just think like a lot of people sort of only envision horror as this genre of like you know the two-hour movie you know and that they have sort of a limited imagination of what you can do over a longer series with horror does that make sense like because i think like like you said there is so much you can do if you really extend the time out and really play with it whereas i think just so many people just envision either gory or even if it's not gory it's like a very limited like one-time thing Mm. that's supposed to scare you yeah that's true i think we for a long time people had a very limited idea of what horror could be and now that we've had so many great horror films like legitimately good films that happen to be horror yeah now people are like oh this genre can be like good it's funny because like i feel like we're kind of in a way going back because like this very like well done like literary horror was so big like in the early like 20th century or or you know whatever like even though he was like a real piece of shit like um uh hp lovecraft and mm-hmm. stuff like that wrote these like really complex like dense mm-hmm. you know stories that right. are horror and they're not just meant to scare you they right. they tell a whole tale and shirley jackson wrote all these horror mm-hmm. stories and stuff like that like mm-hmm. You know, there's all there's this rich history of like literary horror, and then when we started making movies, it kind of like like dumbed it down in a way. I yeah, think. well, I think it was exciting. You know, suddenly having this visual element, it was like, oh, we can make like cool monsters and yeah. throw blood everywhere, mm-hmm. and it, like that is cool. I like that stuff too. Totally. Um, again, I'm not a huge fan of 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 gore, but I right. understand there's this really like captivating visual element. Yeah, it is of yeah. of horror. Sure. But now it's sort of like we've done it, we've done it, we've done it. Hey, what if we just write really good characters? I hope more people explore like long form horror, like a series or at least like a mini series, like maybe you know like a one like a one season type deal. Yeah. Um, I hope more people explore that and not just in October. <laughs> you know, right, like, right. I, like I hope more like, more people will take it as a genre of of 
like film or TV or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why episode six of the the haunting of Hill House is so breathtaking because I have grown up with horror films that rely on those jump scares. Yeah. And to watch a horror, even though it's like an episode of a series, not a whole movie, with an uninterrupted take like that. Yeah. You know, that I might rewatch that today just because I've been thinking about it. I was like, oh, they're doing so much right now. Right. And I mean, the actors, for an actor to do just like three long takes yeah and to have like the timing and like the staging right Mm -hmm. like it it was so So different from anything i'd seen before that i was like this is amazing i that's really why i started to watch it i saw people freaking about out about episode six and i was like what is this fucking episode Mm -hmm. and then stephen king called it close to a masterpiece or something oh wow and i was like oh i gotta watch this this is completely unrelated. Yes. But when you said under in an uninterrupted take, it reminded me. Did you see the video that was going around on Twitter of oh god, what's it called? Jim Carrey's new show. The kid one. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about the series okay. itself. It's Jim Carrey's new show. Um, it's got a one word title. I do not remember it. Uh, cool. Came armed with the the facts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's got long kidding. Yeah. Kidding. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Uh Yeah, it's like a dark kid show, I think. Right. D- there's a video going on Twitter of one of the shots they did for the show mm-hmm. and they're doing a basically it's like they're doing a shot where it's the same room and they're they're going over like five or six different like things that have happened in that same room uh-huh. and they do it all as one take. So literally, as the camera is coming around the room, actors are going off to the side and they're replacing the furniture. Oh. So they literally do like six sets in one. Yeah. Yeah. I I know what you're talking about. It's insane to watch. Yeah. Because they do it all in one take. And they literally like the camera guy's like walking around. And then as he turns around, they've completely redone the set into a brand new room. It's interesting you say that because there are moments like that in Haunting of Hill House where like the way the camera moves, like it'll be on a character and then it pans left. And then when it pans back to that character, there's something new behind them. Yes. There's a lot of stuff like that. Uh Not like a jump scare, just like very eerie. There's stuff. And again, I don't think this is a spoiler. There's stuff that's never addressed Uh because this house is haunted. That's very There's like an article that's like all of the ghosts that you didn't see Mm -hmm. in the Haunting of Hill House. And yeah. they'll just randomly have an extra standing in the background for no fucking reason. Yeah, they it's do just that. Like, yeah, this house is haunted. They kind of do that in Hereditary a few times, mm. where there's like things that you see in the background that they don't actually address. Did you want to talk more about Hereditary? We can talk about that? Hereditary. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I wa- I loved it. Yeah, it's. I thought so it was fucking good. very good. I again genuinely terrified me. Uh huh. I don't believe people who said that <laughs> it was scary. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you're lying. Yeah, I I loved it. Yeah. I I thought it was a great story. I thought it was very well done. I I legitimately could not believe that was that director's first movie. That is bananas. I mean, first movie, like, they never did a short or anything? They probably did, like, student films or something. I'm sure that, I mean, obviously they had to have, like, done something on camera. But, like, that was their first, like, that's their directorial debut, it said. Wow. That's infuriating. I was like, insane. Like, I... It was so good. Ari Aster. Yeah. Like, Ari Aster. Ari Aster, yeah. It kept me like it was great. I didn't I never felt like there were definitely things in the movie that I felt like I 
got or like figured out ahead of time, but I didn't really feel like I was ever ahead of the movie. It like definitely kept me guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, it, it, I definitely like did not. Yeah. I just like it. I never you felt didn't like call that Peter would be, uh, Oh, I guess spoilers. Should we say it's been spoilers? Not long enough. Spoilers. I'll but say like, spoilers. Yeah. You didn't get. You didn't predict that Peter would be uh, possessed by his dead sister and yeah. that <laughs> she would become the king of the sixth circle of hell or whatever. Yeah, I did not. Uh, I. I mean, I didn't get. I mean, that was great. I didn't get until the very last second that like it was her the whole time because she dies, you know, at the beginning of the movie, and I just thought that was like part of. I didn't really realize that it came out of her. Wait, what do you mean? When I was watching it, I didn't realize like the spirit had like come or whatever. Like the go- I didn't realize it had come out of her, like the sister. Oh, like the light he sees and yeah, everything. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I did not I realize mean, that because she dies. Like, I thought you were saying you didn't realize that she was in him the whole time and she wasn't in him. Oh, the whole time. oh, right, right, right. Gotcha, right, right, right. gotcha. Yeah, right. I, I didn't realize like because I, I thought the the sister dying was just like the ghost fucking with the family. Right. I didn't realize that. You know what I mean? Yes. And And they do this such a great thing. Well, there's like, also the weird, sorry, there's also the weird stuff about like the grandmother. So it's like, is it the grandmother? Oh my God. That was such a good device where I literally the whole movie is like, it's the grandmother. Yeah. Like it has to be. Yeah. And then it was like, it has nothing to do with her. Yeah. Like it was crazy. It yeah. was so good. I, I thought, um, yeah, I, I thought, and they, they do really good, like the tone of the movie, very good. Yeah, they use, they make really good use of, um, I forget, it has a name. I don't think it's an actual, like, directing school name for it, mm-hmm. but the the sort of eerie shot of, um, it's like a long shot and there's just someone standing. Mm-hmm. They make really good use of that when Peter's really starting to become unhinged and he sees the old woman across the street and yeah. she's just standing there. Uh-huh. There's, like, no way to explain why that's so scary. Right. It just is. Uh-huh. And I love horror films that make use of that. Yes. And Hereditary makes excellent use of... There's several shots that you're like, why is this so scary? There was... Oh, there was one. I'm typically not a huge fan of, like, really weird, like, CGI effects and stuff. But there's a shot of when Peter's alone in his room and something fucks with him, and then you see the mom crawling on the wall oh. out. It oh. freaked me out so hard. I was, like, it, like, because you don't see much before that in the movie. There's not much, like, supernatural stuff. I like, think they do that twice. There's also uh, when he's standing by the fireplace and she's up yes. in the corner. Yeah, that one's a little more prominent, <sighs> like, because uh, that becomes, like, a focal point of the scene. But the one where she's crawling on the wall out of the room, like... I you almost miss it and I like yeah it, like legitimately like made me like my stomach yeah. follow that. I so like, I saw it twice. The first movie was at the Alamo Draft House okay. and I think they had the color resolution a little better. Uh-huh. You could see it happen. The second time I saw it was at like the AMC on 34th Street. Yeah. Pretty Slums. Crappy theater <laughs> with Chloe and Chloe actually didn't see it because right. the color resolution was uh-huh. not good yeah. and it was just black behind him. Yeah. I think people closer to screen saw it because I heard them gasp. Uh-huh. But I, I that frustrated me a little yeah, bit because I was like, a, "That's such a beautiful scene," and yeah. this stupid theater fucked it uh-huh. up. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, like all, yeah. all, all the stuff that's like kind of gory or just like, like supernatural was done in such a way that I actually really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought the movie was great. I, even the like very very bizarre ending was like I thought very effective. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Tony Collette and Alex Wolf I think were incredible oh, in it. God, so good. And 
I don't want to like diminish their achievement because I felt like they lent a lot of emotional heft to the characters, but I really want you to see The Haunting of Hill House. Yes, I, I need to watch it. The yeah. character development is just, yeah. they have so much more time, right. you know? Um, but the whole dinner scene, I'm like, Tony Collette should win an Oscar oh for this. Oh, my God, it's so I good. am your mother. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was such a good scene. Oh, man. Uh, um, I also just, uh, we don't have to talk about it in depth, but I just also saw Sorry to Bother You. Oh, why don't we talk about that in hour two? Let's do it. Yeah, awesome. Guys, it's that time of the episode. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. So we got to talk about the update to the Jamal Khashoggi case. I incident tragedy. I, what do we call it? Uh, international disaster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should be the start of a world war. Like I. Like, yeah, I know. We were talking about that. Where in I was the like, past, this would have ignited oh, a war. A hundred percent. If if it had not been Saudi Arabia and the United States, this would a thousand percent have been the start of some kind of international yes. confrontation. So the the latest update is that now the Saudis are claiming that Khashoggi died during a physical altercation. Yeah, they're, he probably did. <laughs> well, they're saying that it was a fist fight. It's bullshit. Obviously, they're lying. But well, I mean, the thing is, is like if you show up to an embassy and eighteen guards taking you a room, yeah, he'll probably resist a yeah, little bit. They'll probably resist a little bit. I like, hope he threw a punch. <laughs> like, I hope he went down fighting. Yeah, like that's the most insane part is that like they're like, yeah, he got into a fight, like. Yeah, 18 guards crowded him, like, interrogated him. Well, that's why I'm like, there was no fight. There was 18 dudes jumping this yeah, guy. exactly. Yeah. And apparently cutting off his fingers, if you believe the Turkish reports. Uh, which I do. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it was, like, a little unclear who recorded it on their Apple Watch. Some people think it was Khashoggi's Apple Watch. Some other people think it was, like... Um, one of the other guys there recorded it. Right. Uh, you know, the fact that, like, Turkey... You know how all countries spy on each other? Uh-huh. That Turkey maybe bugged the Saudi Arabia embassy, and, like, right. that's how they got the recording of it. Yeah. There's all different, you know, theories about it. But, so Trump originally comes out and says it looks like he is dead, mm-hmm. which is such a low bar, but everyone was like, okay, at least he's acknowledging reality. Right. Now the Saudis are claiming Khashoggi died during like a physical altercation and Trump was like, okay, case closed. <laughs> well, like, okay, cool. He died during physical altercation. Why aren't you giving anybody the body? Yeah, where is the body? <laughs> so there's if it if it wasn't a problem, if it wasn't a big deal and he died during an altercation, like, why haven't you given the body to the family? Yeah. Where's the body? I guess the latest theory about that is he's buried under that official's house where they took him. He's probably I mean, I, he's probably in pieces. Like well, yeah, that, buried, the pieces you know. are buried yeah. under, I think, like his car park or something. Yeah, because they sent all of the the workers home, right? Because yeah. they didn't want witnesses uh-huh. there while they were burying a body, probably. Yeah. Um, but the most absurd part of it, obviously, is the whole allowing the country who's been accused of the heinous act to do an internal investigation. It's like, of course, they're gonna say it was an accident. I just, it is so unreal how. You know, obviously the focus needs to be on Saudi Arabia for killing a journalist. But that, you know, 
he was he lives in America or at least had a residence in America mm-hmm. and was a journalist for an American newspaper and the American government just doesn't care. Yeah, and a large part of the reason that the Trump administration doesn't care is they have worked very hard to villainize the press. Honestly, I bet you behind closed doors, like if Trump was talking to the king, they would agree that journalists have it coming. Yeah. Like he shouldn't have been snooping around. Absolutely, I believe that. And also like the the Trump administration on several occasions now are just being open about like, I mean, I think Kushner and Eric Trump have both said like, on the record, like, yeah, they killed a journalist, but we can't jeopardize, like, $100 million. Yeah, so that know, was the next sit, thing yeah. I wanted to get to. Kushner was basically like, ah, this will blow over. Yeah. He said, hold on, the full thing from the New York Times was, uh, Mr. Kushner has argued that the outrage over Mr. Khashoggi's disappearance and possible killing will pass, just as it did after other Saudi errors, like the kidnapping of the prime minister of Lebanon and the killing of a busload of children in Yemen by a Saudi airstrike. I mean, this is the line from the Trump administration and honestly, most like mainstream conservatives now, too. It's like, yeah, they did a bad thing, but we can't jeopardize our relationship with them. Yeah, which is, because money. That's ultimately right, what it right, comes right. down to. It's, yeah. just, it's just basically being like, yeah, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, I also love the phrasing of errors. Errors, yeah. <laughs> like the kidnapping of the prime minister of Lebanon. <laughs> oh, boy. And, you know, when we killed those that busload of kids, our bad. That was an error. Yeah. Not a war crime. So, also, uh, Trump was recently at a rally, because that's all he does now. And he was celebrating Republican Representative Greg uh, Gianforte. Mm-hmm in uh, montana and he cheered the lawmaker as a tough cookie over his assault of a reporter last year he said any guy that can do a body slam he's my kind of guy i had heard that he body slammed a reporter and he was way up and i said oh this is terrible he's gonna lose the election then i said i know montana pretty well and i said i think it might help him and it did and the crowd cheered and then people are like, yeah, but why did Saudi Arabia feel safe to murder a journalist? It's like, right. well, because Trump talks like that. Uh-huh. Trump, I believe if Trump knew he could get away with it, he would fully advocate for the murder of journalists in public. Yeah. If he felt like he had a consensus. Well, yeah, he he can't. What he has to do is the next best thing, which is get his base to do it for him. Yes. And convince his base that killing journalists is okay well he tried to walk that line a little bit during the presidential election his early rallies where he would encourage the audience to beat up reporters but then i imagine some advisor was like hey you can't expressly say that right you we have to be a little more clever with the language we use you can't be calling for the assault of journalists (laughs) uh yet in the united states right so now they have to be a little more clever about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you can encourage body slamming them, but sure. maybe not like murdering. Right, them. right, right. Uh, but yeah, I th- I think Trump really, really envies regimes where you can yeah. kill reporters in broad daylight. Well, I mean, the, I mean, his, uh, uh, you see that from like his like uh, affection for Duterte. Um, I mean, Putin, like his, he wants to be that the, the totalitarian leaders he has crushes on all 
either violently suppress the media or just kill journalists. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, how many journalists have mysteriously died in Russia and abroad who so ha- had to flee the country because of Putin? Right. And then it turns out they were poisoned and they die. Right. Um, and yeah, Duterte is just m- murdering drug addicts. Just murdering them. Just uh, outright and talking and happy. Like, yeah. It, bragging about it and other people as well you right. know like collateral damage in his quote-unquote war on drugs right, right. yeah but I, it's it's clear from the company trump keeps and his favorite leaders that he hates the press he thinks the murdering of journalists is permissible if they you know were too nosy <laughs> if they mm-hmm. were like doing their job yeah criticizing a regime yeah i think because, you know, Trump will just say what he ever thinks the temperature of the room is. Right, right, right. Hence the, the Montana rally. Course, He's like, yeah. I know if I say this, they're going to cheer, so I'll just say it. Yeah, 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 I don't even necessarily... I do also think he feels that way as well, that mm-hmm. he thinks it's funny that a reporter got body slammed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if he was in a room full of Democrats, probably would not have said that. Yeah, I doubt it. But if he feels like the temperature is shifting and he can advocate kill, uh, killing right, journalists right, right. in public... He would say that in a second. Well, because, yeah, because Trump is obsessed with good press. Right. And so, you know, in his mind, anybody that doesn't give him good press is an enemy. Right. Um, And he'll do anything in his power to get good press. So, right. like, there's so many stories throughout his history of, like, like when he was calling people as his own PR agent right. <laughs> to tell people how rich he was. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, or normal like, behavior. Right. Or really did you did behavior. you read the uh, Olivia Nunzi column about the meeting she had with Trump in his office? No. There was this like she was at the White House uh, for some story, and Trump called her into his office because she he had heard that she was going to write a column about how like about the weird saga of John Kelly mm-hmm. and how like Trump wants to fire him but can't or hasn't figured out how to. And like was go- you know, and, and like, the, there's just so much like questions about John Kelly's job and like, <laughs> like if he's gonna get fired or what mm-hmm. he actually does. And like, Trump called him, called Olivia into his office and had this like very bizarre quote unquote like impromptu lunch with like every member of his cabinet. Like they just started popping in the office, like, oh hey, we having lunch, <laughs> and like we're just talking about how great John Kelly was and oh, how like God. how good the how how tight the administration was and how there were no issues in the administration. Sure, very convincing. How much, how much he loved John Kelly and Again, stuff like that. Again, totally normal. Like, it's it's so, like, it's just so bizarre to see. Like, he wants to be, like, a, like a despot leader. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's, yeah. like, trying so hard to do it in an American way. Like, just trying everything he can. Yeah. I, again, if we didn't have... The the flimsy safeguards we have uh-huh. on the pr- and also you know the executive branch's power has been inflated over the years. Um, I, Obama had a number of, of insane powers that yeah. he could unilaterally execute people with drone strikes. Yeah. is bad shit. Bad shit, crazy. Bad yeah. shit, and and not what the executive branch was uh-huh. entitled to have that sort of power. But. Yeah, if if there weren't like very flimsy safeguards on the executive branch, uh-huh. Trump would be a full authoritarian yeah, of monster. Course. Yeah. It also, I mean, I think this uh Kashagi uh whatever you want to call it, scandal, I think is a good word for it. Mm-hmm. I think one thing it should really hammer home for everyone, and I hope more people talk about it, a just talk about the actual incident, but also like it really shows off 
like when conservatives uh, tried to pass themselves off as like we're like principled people mm-hmm. like we don't care about parties we don't care about power we care about principles it's bullshit because mm-hmm. like they talked about Benghazi for years <laughs> yeah I mean the people have made whole careers about talking about Benghazi some might say they were obsessing over uh-huh. it mm-hmm. um, and now they're like yeah Saudi Arabia killed a journalist who cares yeah yeah who cares? They killed an American journalist. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, they don't give a shit about anything. Like, they, they like, uh, so many, like, libertarians and, and conservatives try to pass them off. Like, no, 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 no. We're not into, like, parties or whatever. We're just, we, like, the whole Kavanaugh scandal is like, oh, no, we don't, we're not interested in, like, the Supreme Court. We just care about, like, presumption of innocence and all this stuff. Like, sure. no, we care about principles. And, like, sure. like it just shows off that they're liars, that they're yeah. just full of shit. Also, where are all the conspiracy theorists who love conspiracy theories? Because here's an actual real conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah. The Saudi government is conspiring to cover up the murder of a journalist. Yeah. There's actual, there's evidence, <clears throat> not just evidence. It did happen. Right, right, right. Where are they? Uh-huh. Nowhere. Nowhere. Because they don't care. They don't care. Well, they... it involved a journalist. Right, right, right. So... He deserved to die. Yeah, exactly. A journalist for the Washington Post. If it had been a Fox News journalist, do you think they'd care? I no. I hesitate to even call a Fox uh, right, someone right. who works yeah. for Fox News a journalist, but uh, a reporter. Yeah, well, I mean, a Fox News reporter would probably never do anything brave, so true. wouldn't have been in that position. <laughs> uh, confront the Saudi <laughs> right, government. Yeah, yeah true. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I mean, probably they would care more. They'd probably talk about it, but also like. They just don't, they, they think anybody that's trying to do, like, like I said, this administration and like his followers are, are just obsessed with press. Mm-hmm. Like there's no such thing as truth or there's no such thing as truth. And there's no such thing as like, like objectivity. It's only it, press is either good or bad. And like anything that's flattering about him is good. Yeah. And anything that's negative about him is bad. And, right. And, and uh, you're sort of predicting the future when you portray journalists as not just lying constantly, but as he said, being the enemy of the American people. Right. What do you think's going to happen? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's, to me, it's not just that he's a bumbling buffoon and he didn't know what he was reaping by, by saying all of this stuff. I think it was deliberate and inevitable that we would end up here. Of course. Of course it was inevitable. I'm surprised it didn't happen. I mean, like, I'm honestly, I'm surprised it didn't happen in the United States. Mm -hmm. I'm honestly shocked. Because there there have been incidents of, like, these, like, weird sovereign citizens. Like, there was one case they murdered somebody doing the census. Oh, that turned out to be. I think he committed. He died by suicide. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. But it it that would like it blew up into right, right, right. yeah. Um, but but they have this like general hatred of like federal workers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like and or like you know just they, you know, there's all they have stickers and shirts now that joke about killing journalists. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it is one of these things where like I just. I'm shocked it didn't happen in the United States, but it but it wouldn't have mattered, and it doesn't matter now. Like they, this guy was an American journalist, and they still killed him, and they don't care, right? You know, like, I, and like I said, they're not interested. I, I I think a Trump's whole rhetoric against the press was a you know obviously 
because he just hates the press. But also, it's like he started early because he knew anytime anything negative gets written about Trump, all he has to do is, is call it fake news now. And his mm-hmm. his followers just start yelling it. They just start repeating it for no reason. Like, there's no, you know, like when the story about his taxes came out, like people just call it fake news. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, there's no argument about it, there's no debate about it. Right. Well, to circle back to what you were saying about that you were amazed that it hasn't happened in the United States. It's happened in other countries who I believe are taking cues from Trump. So whether these are, you know, regimes who are we are allies with or regimes with their own authoritarian leaders, they are taking cues from the Trump administration. They know now it's never been safer to kill reporters. Well, and I I think, I mean, there's no direct evidence. I think I talked about this last time I was on the show, and there's no direct evidence because I don't want to, I can't attribute motive to them, but like, I don't think it's a coincidence that a United States ally with Donald Trump killed a journalist because you're seeing the direct effects of it. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that, like, as soon as it happened, all of the Trump administration coming out be like, well, what are we going to do? We can't not be allies with them. Right. So they know. They know that no matter, like, Saudi Arabia knows that they have carte blanche to do whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, like, the countries who feel like they have some kind of financial or political leverage with mm-hmm. the United States have never felt safer. Of course. To, like, Putin, you know, the Saudi Arabian royal family. Yeah. They know they can do whatever and get away with it. Because yeah. it's like, well, you would never jeopardize right. the or, financial. Or, like, you know, like, Duterte, like, you think he's, like worried about what he's doing in his regime knowing that the president of the united states is like fanboying out, like, him fanboying him yeah, you know? like, yeah. if anything he's probably more emboldened now right now he knows he has carte blanche like he knows nobody's gonna mess with him yeah so like even if journalists in the united states aren't being murdered in the streets trump is doing innumerable damage in other countries yeah and i truly believe the only reason that hasn't started happening in the United States is those flimsy safeguards right. I was talking about. Right, where, like, right, right. There would be some kind of consequence right. if you did that in the United sure, States. Sure. But we've had reporters physically assaulted at rallies. We've had uh, they've been sent death threats, suspicious substances like they've been terrorized on other levels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like outright assassinations haven't started yet. Also, also, question mark. Yeah, like not that they ever really had any respect, but like it is so shameful to watch like journalists on Fox News talking to the Trump administration about this and not just screaming at them. (laughs) Like, how on earth can you be a journalist for any organization? I get that it's Fox News, but like, how can you be in the profession of somebody that just got murdered by a foreign regime and all these people are just like, on TV interviewing Eric Trump or Jared Kushner and just, like, carrying water for them. Yeah, I don't think they see those journalists as peers. You know? It's not, yeah. I, just I, th- like, I think they're like, what we do is different. Which it is. It's different. Like, yeah, being yeah, a propagandist yeah. is different than being <laughs> right, a journalist. Right, right, yeah. In fact, it's it's the polar opposite. Yeah. I, yeah, I think they see them as a different Yeah, I've people. seen so many interviews. Where, and they try to, like, be, you know, not tough, but try to, like, carry the line where like i've seen a couple of them like interview members of the trump administration and be like well you know they shouldn't be murdering journalists and then like the trump administration official or whatever will say some bullshit about like well we can't jeopardize our relationship with them or whatever and then it's like okay okay Okay. it's like 
you know, I mean, it really shows off, like like you said, like what they're doing is not journalism and they don't care. They don't care about other journalists. Yeah, like, but they I, have to give that impression that they're right. asking tough questions. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, it's that time of the episode. Let's all jump up and down. Here is your good news. So I wanted to shout out a couple celebrities who, it turns out the Super Bowl's having a, a bitch of a time booking people <laughs> for their halftime show. Uh-huh. Rihanna reportedly turned down the Super Bowl halftime show in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick. Wow. So they had to go get Maroon 5. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, Natalie boy. Was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do anything. I will do literally anything. <laughs> do you guys still like me? I'll do it. <laughs> Did you know I used to be a dorky, uh, ugly kid? Aren't I relatable now? Uh huh. Can I do the Super Bowl? Please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, Queen Riri was like, "No, thank you." That's um, a big deal. It's a huge deal. You know, like she's Rihanna. She's financially secure, but I'm sure they were offering her boatloads of money. I mean, lots of people are financially secure. It's still good to do the Super Bowl. You mean Maroon Five? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, but. What's funny is like when somebody, I do th- I f- like when somebody like Rihanna turns it down. Like a lot of people, are like, well, she's already rich, so who cares? Like, obviously, she can turn it down. Like, Prince was already rich, and he did the Super Bowl halftime show. Like, yeah. it's a big deal. Well, yeah, it's not just the money; it's right. also like millions and millions. It's one of the biggest uh, uh, ratings. Yeah, grabs like that's in a the world. Hu- that's like a huge, huge spotlight yeah. to do a show, and like bigger than any. A national tour you'd go yeah, on absolutely yeah. like it's a huge deal it's, to it's do that also show. it's one gig and you get in, fr- in front of a bigger audience than you'll ever play in your yeah, entire exactly. life exactly yeah. like like that's a huge deal so turning it like whether or not these people are already i mean obviously anybody who performs at the super bowl halftime is already going to be rich mm. like that's a given right. so like you turning it down is a big just deal gonna get some guy yeah like <laughs> dave's not, doing the halftime they're not getting show. a random like fucking band that, from although <laughs> i would watch that if they I picked a random cool. american to uh-huh. just do the halftime show i'd watch it yeah it's not that long sit through that i sat through uh justin timberlake's halftime show so i can sit through anything oh boy so uh, yeah i uh, i wanted to shout out do you don't think uh adam levine will uh boycott for colin kaepernick (laughs) you don't think that's gonna happen i mean he already agreed to do it didn't he yeah but you don't think last minute he'll pull out because he's like oh right colin i forgot about colin what would be a way hold on (laughs) what would be worse (laughs) or what i guess well (laughs) What's worse, Maroon 5 doing the halftime show mm-hmm. in the first place or doing the halftime show and at some point in the show, Adam Levine kneels? <gasps> oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would almost respect him if he knelt. <laughs> if he is agreeing to do it and it's all a farce and he's just going to like kneel randomly. I don't know. I would almost if like he, him if he did If that. they do it, if they did it, Instead of doing a halftime show, he just kneels for fifteen minutes. Uh huh. I would respect that if it's part of some sort of show, and they kneel in the middle of the show. It is the worst thing that's ever happened. Okay, what if this happens? <laughs> so remember the halftime show where Chris Martin uh-huh. was there and everybody was pissed, but then he was like, "But Beyonce and Bruno are here," yeah, and they yeah. were like, "We like Chris Martin again." <laughs> <laughs> uh, he like gave his time to them, which was yeah. a dope thing to do. Uh-huh. Um, 
what if Adam Levine does the same thing and he's like, I know you're all mad. I'm here. Here's Beyonce and Bruno. <laughs> and then they kneel. Uh-huh. That would be cool. That'd be cool. That yep. would make me like Adam Levine. Yeah. But it's not going to happen. What if he managed to sneak Colin Kaepernick into oh. the show? <laughs> we got to stop talking about it because it's not going to happen. But yeah. I'm getting excited. <laughs> and like, you know, um, when like a heel becomes a good guy, it's yeah. like, yeah. I think what's going to happen is Maroon 5 is going to do a very lackluster <laughs> halftime show. And then everybody's going to be upset. Oh, yeah. It's going to suck. <laughs> yeah. Guys, it's going to suck. <laughs> so I wonder. I always wonder, like, I wonder what the other members of Maroon 5 feel like. I mean, they're constantly. Like, we're getting money. Yeah. It's great. Sure. Uh, also, Amy Schumer is also backing Colin Kaepernick and says she's not going to do any Super Bowl ads. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, again, I know it's, like, hard to celebrate this because it's, like, fabulously rich people right. uh, turning down a gig. But still, it like it makes headlines when Amy Schumer says, I'm not doing this because uh, I support Colin Kaepernick. Like, mm-hmm. that matters because every newspaper in the world is going to run with that headline. Yeah. right. And... Yeah, I think the more we talk about Colin Kaepernick, the better, too, because yeah. he's been blacklisted from right. the NFL. So if people don't talk about him, then his name slips out of the headlines. People forget his sacrifice. People forget what he was protesting, which is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And the more people like Amy Schumer can be like, yeah, he was protesting police brutality, and I support that. Right, right, right. Because, you know, I think in a lot of people's minds, they think he was protesting America and the national anthem, which uh, he was protesting in America. a lot of stupid people's minds. Like, a lot of stupid people's minds. Uh, they think it's about the national anthem uh-huh. specifically, and it's like, no, it's what it's about, uh, what it symbolizes. You know, there's a lot of institutional racism in the United States. That's what he was protesting. It's important that we remember that. I mean, I think it's, I mean, yes, it's very important to remember that. Also, I think something that doesn't get enough traction is why do we say the goddamn national anthem before football games? Oh, yeah. I mean, Dave Zirin has written a bunch about that, how, like, that sort of jingoism, that creep of Mm -hmm. nationalism, that used to not be the case. Right. You know, like, before baseball games, before football games, we didn't stand for the national anthem. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it's not a, like, that's a, people see it now as, like, a very, like, common thing because it's been happening for so long, but, like, it's just a sports game. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's. It would be like if you went to the supermarket and every time you went to the supermarket, you had to like sing the national. Like, yeah, it's it's there's nothing like inherently. It's just a big gathering of people. That is really creepy. Well, if you go back and see the the creep of that and also the military's involvement. Right. In right, organized right. sports. Well, part that was it. not like, always a thing. Right. No, no. But like there was even a time it was just the national anthem. Right, it wasn't right, necessarily right. that the military was involved. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. But then that was a natural next step where it's like. Oh, well, since we're doing the national anthem, let's get the military into it. Th- and then it was like, what is this? Well, the military is paying money for it. Yeah. They're like paying money to get themselves into football games because it's like, this could go down so many rabbit holes. But basically, like, the way sports is ritualized, it's a very good propaganda tool. Right. Like, for instance, uh, you know, not that I want to directly compare the two, but like, uh, go on. Uh, in. <laughs> uh, uh, Joseph Goebbels yep. uh, developed a lot of his uh, ideas about uh, social psychology from watching uh, Harvard pep rallies mm-hmm. in the early 20th century mm-hmm. uh, because it's a very uh, like 
the way that sports and like colleges like sort of ritually bond people over these events. Like it's a really good way to get people all on one side about an issue. So I mean the idea of rallies and parades, you know, like which Hitler had a lot of both of those things. It's the same sort of group fever. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a very good way to like, yeah, ritually bond people over a common thing. And so like, you know, that's why you see like during the world cup, there's so much like nationalism around people's teams. And so like it happens the same way, like in any sort of like professional sports event, you have hundreds of thousand people, you know, all crowded into this one space. Um, And so like to really like get their attention and like to have them, you know, win them over to your side is like a very big deal for propaganda. I mean, the fact that people riot after a win or a loss that's fucking weird. Yeah. But that's the level of fervor people are at mm-hmm. at sporting events. Yeah. So it's it's really not a coincidence that you know the 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 military specifically targets these events to get themselves into. They're like, hey, since you're all losing your minds, right? Why don't you enlist? <laughs> right. Yeah. So speaking of uh, rich people losing, losing money, um, oh, losing money. I was gonna say, or like giving. Did you see? I think this counts as good news. Did you see the article where Louis C.K. said he lost $38 million in an hour? <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, mean, it's not good that he's back, but it is good that we find out that he lost $38 million. I mean, if we believe that's true, what is he claiming he lost $35 million for? Uh, Just, uh, I guess, like... His FX show? I guess. I mean... You think he was making $35 million in an hour for that? I think, wh- I think it more had to do with, like, in an his, like his brand quote yeah like quote unquote in an hour as in like from the time the article came out to ever like his show got dropped mm-hmm. uh his terrible movie got shelved oh like, right that uh, dumb movie yeah uh his What's weird his creepy woody allen movie uh chloe uh is that her name uh, uh, uh i don't, I don't remember uh, Literally, all I remember is that Louis C.K. Yeah. did a creepy movie about dating underage girls, Chloe, and everybody uh, like people were gonna distribute it. Chloe Moretz. Oh yeah, she, but she was like, it should be shelved. She was in it, and yeah. a reporter asked her about it, and she was like, I'm sorry, I was in it, and it should be shelved. And I was like, that is the only correct response <laughs> to that. Uh huh. Also, maybe like, donate your salary. Yeah, like to like rain or something. Like just like uh, he made a. It's just. It's just a good thing that he lost a lot of money. He should have lost more. I don't know what he's worth, but it should have been more. Yeah, and that money should have gone to his victims. Uh, yeah, like anything bad that happens to him, I'm like good. <laughs> yeah. Especially now that he's doing this like creepy comeback where he uh, ambushes unsuspecting audiences with his act. Uh-huh. And there's been like women in the audience who are deeply uncomfortable. And yeah. he has no problem doing that because he's, doing, he's learned nothing. Right. He's like doing, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Do I have enough time for this? I think we do. Uh, or do I don't I know what it is, it? but I'm assuming it. I might save it because it's so good and right. I don't want to rush through uh-huh. it. I actually, I might read the whole thing because nice. it's that good. Yeah. Uh, or I'll read parts of it. Sweet. So that'll be on tomorrow's episode. I'm not going to tell you what I'm talking about. Ooh. It's a teaser. Eric, has yeah. there been anything since we're in the good news section, anything you've seen or overheard or or eaten that has brought you joy or something you're looking forward to? Uh, something brought me joy. Uh, our show on Friday was great. Oh, yeah. That so was very fun. Eric and I are on an indie improv team called Trash. Uh-huh. And we have a show, a monthly show at Under St. Mark's Theater. Yep. Third and Friday of every month. Come out and see it. Yeah. 
And don't be weird about it. Just come <laughs> <and> see it. <laughs> yeah. Don't be weird. Don't be weird. Just about come it. see the show. And uh, yeah, it was very, very fun. It was very fun. I haven't done improv in a while because, like, since I've gotten back from tour, like, my, it's just like I got a job and then that job has me working during our normal practice time, which I'm working on getting fixed. Um, and just like I haven't really, I'm not in a uh, improv class. So, I, like, I just really haven't done much improv uh is in like three months maybe wow. like i've maybe done like one or two practices and that was and like haven't done many shows so it was just fun to do it and it was i thought a very fun show to do uh all the acts were great uh and it was just fun to be around it really like sort of like maybe remember why i got into doing comedy it was yeah. just like a fun time yeah Hell yeah, um, that's a good one. Also, I guess what uh, since we're talking about it, like something that's brought me joy seeing like uh, a lot of people that I sort of n- loosely know, not that anybody like I'm like close friends with per se, um, but like a couple weeks ago, like a bunch, there was like a lot of like movement in the sort of like UCB world of people going on to like uh, like different improv teams and stuff like that. Getting like day. bumped up. Yeah, yeah. bumped up to like the tier because like UCB has this like sort of tiered mm-hmm. like house team system. Yeah. So like seeing people that were like uh, like on our level like getting bumped up is very cool. And yeah. seeing like all the reactions and everybody's so happy for them. We're seeing like, like X uh, get hired by The Daily Show. Yeah. I heard about that. That's yeah. so great. X is uh, writing for The Daily Show now which is amazing. Yeah. And you guys don't know who we're talking about, but basically there are really talented improvisers who work really hard. Yeah. And to see them rewarded is, and they're also like very nice people. So yeah. And like get rewarded is awesome. Yeah. And it's cool. Like we're at the point now in sort of like doing improv and doing comedy, that like people that we were on the same level with are like, you know, um, like a friend of ours, uh, like your teammate got bumped up to Harold Knight. Uh, Corinne, Corinne Wells, Corinne, who then, uh, is amazing. She's going to blow up. Yeah. I'm convinced she's going to uh, be very famous. A friend of ours. Also, Corinne. <laughs> Corinne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Corinne uh, and Corinne. Yeah. Uh, Corinne. Like now on the same team. Yeah. Like like Corinne's old like improv team we did shows together with. Yeah. And like. I. What did I say? What did yeah. I say when we, we watched him? I was like, he should be on Harold Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Now he fucking is. He's so good. Um, Called it. Yeah. It's just like seeing, uh, uh, just seeing people you know that you like, come up with or like are around with you like kind of know. And then, like, seeing them, like, get bumped up and, like, doing cool things is just cool to watch. Yeah, and I think also, and listen, I, I struggle to remember this on, on my dark days, but that there's enough spots for everybody. There is. You know? And, like, just chill and be happy for people who deserve it. Yeah. And also, you're crushing it. That's great. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very, awesome to see you crushing it. Very important to remember that, too. Like, yeah. not to agree. I agreed with you so enthusiastically. <laughs> I sound like a dick. But, like, I lose perspective where I'm like, I'm doing great. I got to chill. I got to just, like, I have this thing where because I started, you, I'm sure you understand this, because we started improv later. Yeah. I'm now psychotic about time. Yes. Where I'm like, I don't have enough time for everything. It's yes. like, would you fucking relax? Yes, you do. Yes. I, yeah. Because you and I both started improv after 30, which yep. is. Uh, That's late unheard of yeah <laughs> not unheard of but like it's it's the late on the later side it's late it. for a lot yeah, of people because yeah. so many people on improv teams now are like 22 and 23 oh, years babies. old and it's yeah. infuriating yeah um but yeah like it's yeah it, it definitely is one of those things where like it I, I think a lot of people go through that but especially yeah like doing it later it's like when you like you got on a house team on your first audition but like which is awesome amazing um but like 
as soon like I typically in anything that I do, like as soon as I'm eligible for something, if I don't get it, I'm like, fuck, I'm it's too late. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why. It's just originally like I think it's um it's a reasonable fear to have because you know young savants are celebrated in our yeah, culture yeah yeah it was like true, yeah. oh this 18 year old invented this <laughs> app <laughs> right, and now yeah. he's a billionaire uh-huh. or she's a billionaire um let's be real he's a billionaire yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> silicon valley <laughs> uh but like what i try to remember with improv is i because i'm older i bring different stuff to the table got so much life experience i have so much life experience yeah. like i can't tell you how many times i've been in a scene with a very young person who mm-hmm. doesn't get certain references right yeah cuz they haven't encountered it yet right and like afterwards they'd have to be like what what was that thing you said <laughs> and then i tell them and they're like okay now i know right 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 but i mean like they're they're babies they're learning yeah, you totally. know uh, so, you know, there's some experience to being older. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, lots of experience and also just like learning to, uh, enjoy doing things for the sake of doing them and not worrying about like, uh, like leveling up or accomplishing things. I know that sounds weird. Like you should want to accomplish things, but like not being so obsessed with, I think a lot of people get into things and they are more they're more interested in the idea of the accomplishment rather than doing the thing itself for the joy of doing it. Yes. You know, I see that a lot in music. A lot of people are more interested in like I always say like more people are interested in quote unquote being in a band rather than being musicians. Mm. So they're more taken with the idea of like being a person in a band, going on tour having some sort of lifestyle than they are actually just playing the music. Right. Yeah. It happens a lot in comedy. uh, Yeah. What I was going to say, and I think it ties into that is my goal is to be like at peace when you're plateauing for a little bit. Yeah. And I also, when I say plateauing quote unquote, it's also like the journey, like being in love with the journey as much as those spikes of achievement. Right. Because especially for like type A people (laughs) like (laughs) me, Uh um, you get on Lloyd and then it's like, okay, what's the next thing? Right. It's like, how do I get to the next thing? But yeah. it's like, just enjoy being on Lloyd. Right. Comedy is so weird too. Cause I think, I mean, music's this way. Anything that's like, I, I, you know, when I was first like going through high school and college, I got, you know, I was in like sort of like uh, into the sciences and stuff like that. And for a lot of things, there's like a very clear progression. Mm. And it's just like, well, as long as you do these things, you will do this. Mm. So it's like, as, as long as you do well in high school, you'll go to college. As long as you do well in college, you'll go to grad school. As long as you do well in grad school, you'll get a job and you'll, you know, like in, in the corporate world, it's like, you know, you just, you know, you work hard and you achieve, like there's, there's like, um, there's like markers to hit. Right? Right, right. And then you will get promoted or yes. you'll do this. In the art world, it's very like you could do everything right and still like the people in charge may not pick you. And there's like not a lot of spots. Right. So that's why I think it's important just to be at peace and happy with where you're at because you will drive yourself insane. Yeah. Because also what you want today may look nothing like what you have in five years. Sure. But you could be successful in five years. Totally. So just like to be open to possibilities and happy for people when they get stuff. Right. Because also it's like, you know, not to say you should be happy for people for selfish reasons, but like, I don't know. I've just found that like, if you're lovely to people and supportive of them, that shit comes back to you eventually. Because people want to work with you. People want to have you around. They don't want to have somebody around who's like endlessly jealous and envious of people. And like, 
I hate the shit where someone gets something and people are like, oh, they're a hack. And like they right. immediately like shit on them. It's like, I don't know, man. Maybe. Oh, that's the music play. Oh. <laughs> I thought my phone was ringing. It's like, I don't know. Maybe they got it because they're good. And that doesn't make you bad. You know? Yeah. It's an important lesson to learn. It's like, I, I think just because like so much of the world is sort of like this like battle. It's like this like, you know. Capitalism. It's all capitalism. It's all capitalism. It's like, and, you know, you're you're told that like people are successful or better than you yeah. or like if one person got something and you didn't, it's because they're good and you're bad. Right. And like, it's so important to remember, like, sometimes it's not that. Sometimes yeah. it's just their time. Yeah. And I guarantee you 90% of the people, at least the people we're talking about, let me say that, because I don't want to say like, you know, people who aren't good don't get rewarded. Right, right, right. Because how many mediocre white guys have we seen blow up? And sure. it's like, did they deserve it? Right. The people we're talking about, though, like, they have worked years and years they and years. worked hard they're talented it's yeah. like it, that's such an important thing to learn it's just like yeah it's not because they're good and you're bad it's just like that was a decision that was made and like you know that's what happens and sometimes it is their time and you know well speaking of it being someone's time uh -oh. follow eric on yep. twitter <laughs> eric e-r-e-k underscore smith follow me allison kilkenny thank you so much for listening and while you're at it get out there and cause a little trouble <laughs> <laughs>